Good morning, and we're glad that you're here. Here we are at Grace Life Church in Jemison, Alabama, and we're glad to have those who are, are with us by way of um, live streaming or listening at another time through audio. So we're glad to, to be, um, you be a part of what God's doing here today and in our life and, and beyond that. So big things are happening in the kingdom of God. We've been this is our second, uh, our second time to minister about the kingdom of God. It's, it's a very vast, it's not a subject, it's a, uh, the kingdom is not a subject. It's uh, who God is. You can't separate the king from the kingdom. So when you talk about the kingdom, you're talking about the king. And if, if we don't have a king, we don't have a kingdom. So uh, <clears throat> we've, uh, we've titled this one this morning, I think last week was, we called it the kingdom rules overall. Today we're going to call this the kingdom Moving on up. Well, it made me think about uh, the old TV show with uh, the, the man who played uh, George Jefferson, remember? And uh, that was, he had moved on up in life and he had an apartment. You know, he got out of the ghetto and he had moved on up to, to an apartment in the sky. And uh, that's what we're doing. We're, we're moving on up. And so <clears throat> just want to let you know this morning, things are moving and shifting all around you. Now, you have to understand because uh, I said this last week, I'm saying again, I'm not appealing to your natural mind this morning. I'm talking to you as who you are, a spirit. The Bible says, uh, he that's joined the Lord has become one spirit with him. Certainly we know we have a soul. He gave us that. Thank God we have a body. If you don't have a body, the spirit can't be here. So we, but I'm appealing to the, the higher part of you this morning. And so I want you to grab hold of it. But you're, you're quick. You get it. And so we can go up to a higher place in him. You know, Paul said lifting, lifting up or looking up. He says, uh, don't seek the things that's on this earth, but seek the things which are what? Above. And uh, when you do that, you'll have, to, you'll have to lift your eyes from the things that's going around in your life and around you. And you're going to have to set your focus and your attention on what is true. That's why I told us in Philippians 4, he said, don't be concerned. Don't worry. You'll be, don't be anxious about those things. He says, but he says, but with all things, with prayer and supplication, he told us that we were supposed to guard our heart and we were supposed to think on things that are good and pure and lovely and a good report. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, don't worry about anything. Well, <clears throat> I don't know about you and, and I don't need to know about you, but I, I would say probably everyone here, if and worry is a sin because he told us not to worry. So that's one sin we kind of all probably have uh, entertained from time to time. In other words, say, well, I wouldn't worry and I was just concerned. Okay, well, we'll let you off this time. But, uh, but the Lord doesn't want us to worry. Another, another, we need to understand there's a king and there's a kingdom. And sometimes we just think, well, we just go, we're Christians and we go to church. Well, the Lord don't see you as a Christian. He sees you as a child. Huh? He doesn't see you in church. He sees you in Christ. So once again, we're, we're, that's what we're talking about this morning, and we're moving on up. I want to go to a familiar passage and start in the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, read a familiar passage. This was a, a prayer. We're going to refer to a, a part of that here, a prayer that uh, Paul prayed over the church at Ephesus, but it was still belonged to the church today. It's a Holy, it's a Holy Ghost-inspired prayer. It would belong to you. You ought to read this. There's two prayers, one in Ephesians 1 and one in Ephesians 3. We're looking at the first one. 
that Paul prayed. And, they, and you know, you can pray this over yourself. You can pray this over anybody else. Someone says, well, I got a situation with a, a person, an individual, a child or whatever, and I don't know what to do with them. Well, you can pray this prayer over them over any situation. And, uh, and if you continue to do that, you'll see great results. Some say, well, I did pray twice and nothing happened. Well, that's like walking. If your parents would have gave you two shots at it and said, that's enough, I gave you two shots, you're never going to walk and they just put you in a baby bed and you never exercise those muscles when you wouldn't be walking today, they'd be atrophied and you wouldn't be walking today. That'd be silly. So we're going we're gonna to stay with it. Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll start at verse 16. Paul said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention you of my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, now look here, he's the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now remember, this is, this is what Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus, but he's also praying it for you. And he wants, he wants you to understand that God is the Father of glory. And he wants you to ask him to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Why is that so important? Because we have a lot of knowledge, but we have a lot of earthly knowledge. And sometimes because we have earthly knowledge and we live, in, we, we live on the planet, you know, and we, with, with our senses, sometimes that tries to take all your attention. But we need to pick, pick our eyes up and get it off what we're seeing, what we're feeling, everything that's going on in the emotional realm. And we need to get the revelation through the knowledge of him. If you, have your, if you have the knowledge of him, you're in good shape. You say, well, if the Lord had my problem, well, if you cast your care upon him, he did. Hmm? I said, if you cast all your cares upon him, you don't have the problem. He does. Y'all awake? If I take my car to be serviced because there's a problem, I don't have the problem. It's being solved. Hmm? So I'm casting all my care once and for all upon him. So now I got the knowledge of him. Now, verse 18, he's, he, he prayed this, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened or illuminated. Now, he's not talking about your natural eyes. He's talking about the eyes of your spirit. Your spirit be enlightened. Well, what, for what purpose? Because he wants you to know. See, here's, he's still wanting to impart knowledge to you. He wants your understanding to be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And then his calling is your calling. And, and he wants you to know what is the richest. It didn't say the poor. It didn't say poverty. It says the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So it's, it's, it's proper to get good understanding. Uh, uh, Ms. Michelle was talking about there's so much wealth in the world that if you were distributed, everybody would be multimillionaires. That is true. Let me tell you something equally true. Within six months, they go back into the ones who already had it. Because you have to have a knowledge of wealth. And if you're not ready for wealth, it's, uh, it will master you instead of you master it. So you could divide it up. But the, a lot of times they have it, they have it for a reason. And uh, we share the same thing they do as anyone does. We share 24 hours a day. So it's all about how we think. As a man thinketh in his heart, that's who you are. And so um, here he said that you need to... Uh, know what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Two good things about this. Didn't see this two years ago. Someone pointed this out. Can't remember who it is. Uh, 
But here he's talking about the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Now, what's his inheritance? He said his inheritance was you. He said inheriting you made him rich. Wow, there's value in you. There's worth in you. And number and verse 19, here's the other thing. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe? <clears throat> he didn't say he had power and it just works. He said, no, he works to us with who believe. And it's according to the working of his mighty power. So we have power to those who believe, but it's according to the working of his mighty power. What does that mean? You have power? Yes. Why? Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. The anointed one lives in you. Verse 20, you see, which you wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. I want you to pay close attention to this now. Verse 21, 22, and 23. I want you to pay really close attention. He said, or verse, uh, I'm sorry, let me back up to verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, when Christ ascended from the grave. We know that he was on the earth for 40 days and taught the disciples about the kingdom of God, which is Acts 1, 3. Uh, he spent 40 days after his ascension when he appeared to the disciples, but he appeared and over 500 people saw him. But what Jesus focused on for 40 days was the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And so there's over a hundred references in the New Testament about the kingdom. So the Bible says with every, if you have two or three mentions of something, he said, you can't make a doctrine out of something because you just pull something out of its setting. But if it's spoken of in context two or three times, that's what you pay attention to. Well, the kingdom of God was spoken about 100 times. The church was mentioned twice. So the church is important. He mentions the church. But time, sometimes we get church-minded and we lose the focus to the bigger picture, which is the kingdom of God. Amen. The, the, the body of Christ is massive. They're not always in the building. They're everywhere today. Some are here, some are there, some are working, some are, some are ministering, some are, are missionaries, they're in foreign lands. They're, they're in all sorts of places. You might have people in the prisons who's got born again. Well, that, the church is in the prison. How about that? So we, we see that he, he said that when he raised him from the dead, he set him. Now I want you to, you ought to underline that or make it know that if you don't have it in your Bible. He did what? When he raised him from the dead, he what? He set him. Say it again. God set him. And where did he set him? He, God set him at his own right hand. Where? In the heavenly places. Now, what does that look like? Well, the next verse tells us what it looks like now. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this world. Now, which world is he talking about? I'm thinking about this one. Right? So he said, I'm far above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name, every name, that is named. So if it's got a name, your problem's got a name, you're far above that. Hmm? Y'all hear or not? Not only in this world is he far above, but which is to come. And he hath put all things, not half, not three quarters, but all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things, to the church. 
So Christ is the head of the church and of the kingdom. He's far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and everything that's named. Now, he said this, all things are put under his feet when he gave him to be head over all things. Verse 23, which is his body. Now, who's he, what's his body? That's us. The church is his body. The, we are, it says we are the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, are you getting this? So we're not in church, we're in Christ. He gave him all power and all authority and all dominion, and he set him at his right hand. So when he set him at his right hand, he was far above. You say, well, that's good news for Jesus. It's good news for you. Now, I want you to, we're going we're to look at, uh, my, my Bible has both 1 and 2, chapter 1 and 2 at the same place. If yours doesn't, hold your finger there because we're coming right back to it. But look at, look at Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll start in verse 4 and read through verse 6. Y'all ready? Tell me when you're ready. Say, so, um, well, we'll go to verse 3 to put it in context. Among whom we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, we were fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature, we were the children of wrath, even as others. That doesn't look too good for us, does it? I like the next verse. I like the first two words. But God. I mean, verse 3, we were a mess. But God. Who is rich in what? God's out to get you. <clears throat> my great, my, my grandmama, when she wanted to get my attention, she said, boy, she said, you better straighten up. God's going to get you. You ever, heard, you ever heard someone say something like that effect? If you don't start doing right, God's going to get you. I never told you Jesus was going to get you, but, but, but God will get you. Amen. Well, you ought to get God. Hmm. Don't look that up. I don't think it's, uh, you know, it's, I'd flunk the class in English. But, but, but if, you're gonna, if God's going to get you, then get, then get God. Because what you're going to get is his richness and mercy. Now, so we saw what we looked like in the previous verse when we were by our own nature, the children of wrath. I mean, we were lost. We were undone. We, we, we had no hope. It was all over. People were just fulfilling all the desires of the flesh and the mind and everything the devil threw at you. But God had already made a promise in Genesis, you know, we won't go back there, but, but after Adam and Eve sinned, he told the serpent, he says, <clears throat> you did this. He said, well, let me tell you this. He said, one's coming. He said that his heel is... Is going to bruise your head. His, now, who is he talking about? He's talking about his son that he's going to send many years later. So he's telling him in the garden that, he, that one day <clears throat> there's coming a time, even though they sold out, I'm telling you what, I, there's a plan here, and that plan is going to be in effect, and he, his heel is going to be over you. He's going to bruise your head with his heel. Well, now remember this. He's talking about Christ, and, and Paul is giving us a, 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 an understanding that he's using the body. Well, he said Christ is the head. But how many know every head has to have a body? I mean, we don't say when somebody walks in, they don't, their head don't walk in, and a few minutes later, the body walks in. Every head's supposed to have a body, right? And every body ought to have a head. Are we in agreement with that? I don't care what your denomination is, you ought to agree with that. 
If, if you don't agree with it, all you got to do is shut me off. It'd be really just go, 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 go to another channel. So he's the head, but we're the body. But he's telling us that Satan is underneath his feet. Now Christ is the what? The head, and we're the body. So we're, we're, we're the, the body and the feet. And Satan is under what? Is under the feet, which means he's under you. Because you're in the kingdom and you have total authority over him. You say, well, why don't it work? Well, you haven't learned out who you are yet. You don't know what belongs to you. Amen. I mean, you could be in someone's will and not even know it. Hmm? That's happened before. How many of y'all for that if, if it's good news? Y'all some of y'all still thinking about it. Okay. <clears throat> well, just tell them to put my name on there. Well, here, here's the deal. You're in the will. And Christ is the head of this body. And Satan is under your feet. Now, here we go. Now, so God who is rich in mercy... Wherewithin he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, was quickened us, or made us, that means made us alive. See, we were dead, but now he quickens you. You were dead, but now he made you alive with Christ. It's by grace you're saved. Thank God for the grace of God. Oh, thank God for the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, that even though we didn't deserve it, God in his goodness and God in his grace and God in his mercy and God in his kindness that Jesus being God in heaven was willing to come to the earth, be born as a human to take upon man's sin and be the sacrifice. And by receiving him, we receive the unmerited favor of God. And now we're, we're born again with the life and the nature of God in us. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The old man's gone. You know, there's traces of the old man. People say sometimes, well, sometimes I made a mistake and, and I said so-and-so Thursday or I said so-and-so and I told someone off or I, I did something that, you know, that I used to do in my past. So they said, I guess the old man rose up. Well, the old man didn't rise up, I'll just tell you. You say, well, how did that happen? Well, that's, it, it, he rises up in the mind. See, that just means the mind's not yet renewed to think like the one who raised you up. But the old man, the old nature, he killed it. He, he might have thought about fixing it up, restoring it, but he didn't. Brother Hagin used to say, used to say it always, he said, he annihilated it. Yeah. Or he said he annihilated it, but it's, he annihilated it. He blew it up. God threw the atom bomb on the old man. He blew it up so he's not there anymore. Yes. So I've used this illustration. Y'all might be tired of hearing it, but there's a few people in heard it. It's just like you say, well, it just seemed like if the old was gone, the new was here, we, we, we wouldn't have any uh, behavior of the, of, of the old pal, you know, of the old person. Well, that, like I say again, that's in the mind. See, I have to renew my mind to the Word of God to find out who I am in Him. Amen. Amen? Then that'll get into your behavior when you find out who you are. Instead of the church working the opposite way, as they say, we need to work on your behavior. I mean, you as a sinner, and God saved you. Now act right. Well, Paul said, where sin gets its strength is from rules. Paul said, when you, when you give people a lot of laws, he said, that is the power. That's where sin gets its power from laws. Hmm? I mean, if they take the speed limits off 65 or 459, they can't pull you over for speeding. I'm not saying that's a good thing. But if you, but if you break it, 
you'll get penalized because you broke the law. Well, God removed all the laws. There was 10 and he made one, which is just love one another as I love you. Love, he said, is the fulfillment of all the law. Think of any law of the Ten Commandments. And, and, and if, you walk, if you lived in the love of God, walked in the love of God, you'd never break any ten. If you was living in the love of God, you wouldn't need a law that says don't steal, don't kill, right? Yeah. Don't covet. Why? Because love is the fulfillment of the law. Well, no man's ever kept the law. And God gave, God gave the law through Moses uh, to the people because they wanted a law. God didn't really want them to have a law, but that's what they wanted. So God gave them the, the, the Ten Commandments, as you know. And when they saw the commandments, they saw that they, there was no way they could keep them. And no man's ever kept all ten. Y'all are acting like you might have. <laughs> you know, I, I could throw out many of them, but I ask most, you ask most people who, who say, you better obey the Ten Commandments. Say, name them. In order. Most can only uh, tell you about three or four of them. And I don't want any post to shoot you or kill you. Not post to steal. Uh, you know, they'll think of three or four. I said, well, if, if your, your term is based on that, seem like you'd memorize those ten. But God took a big shortcut and he says, love will fulfill all the Ten Commandments. Was the law bad? No, the law was absolutely amazing. It was good because it was the righteousness of God, but no man could keep that righteousness. That's why he sent Jesus. Jesus was perfectly righteous. He was the man who knew no sin, but he became sin. He didn't sin, but he became sin because he took on our sin. He, he made a divine exchange, right? So we became what he was and he became what we were. Now think about that. If you're God in heaven, come to the earth, for the purpose of taking on all the world's sin. All the world's sickness, all the world's disease, then die a cruel death. And then after that, die, go to, go be put in the grave, and then after that, be taken to hell to pay for man's sin so that you'll never have to go to hell. Satan thought he won, but on the third day, God rose him up because all man's sin was justified in the heart and mind of God. So when he raised him up, he raised you up. Amen. Get this. When God raised Jesus from hell on the third day, that's when he raised you up. Now, that's what this is saying right here. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, it says verse 6, and said, he raised us up together and made us sit together. Say sit together. Now, where are we sitting together? What? In heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, hath raised us up and made us to sit together. All right, now we got to go back to, hold that, we got to go back to Ephesians 1. In verse 20, he says, What ye wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and Christ, he set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. That's where Christ is at the right hand of God. How many of y'all agree with that? Yeah. Good. That means you agree with the Bible. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 once again. But when you, when you were saved by grace, he raised you up together. And he's made us now to sit together 
in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of the grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Some of y'all have made the connection. Some of you have made it yet. So we'll go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 20. This is what he wrought in Christ when Christ was raised from the dead. Where'd he go? Well, he went to heaven. Where's he at? He's on the right hand of God. What's he doing? He set him. He's not, he's not standing because his work is finished. This is the finished work. He set him in the heavenly places. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like he's far above all principality and power and might and dominion and everything that's named, not only this world, but that which is to come. And that put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. And the church is the body which is the fullness of him. So the connection, if you haven't got it yet, what I'm trying to make is when you were born again, he set you with Christ in heavenly places. And I'm talking to your spirit now. Can you understand? Because you think you're in Jemison or wherever you're watching the step. But if you're born again, physically in your body, you're right here. But as far as God's concerned, you're sitting with him right now in heavenly places. What are you doing with him? You're ruling and you're reigning. Now, did you, did, did you notice once again where Christ sits? He's far above. Far above. People say, well, the devil's after me. Pray for me. The devil's after me. He's been after me all week. You must have got out of your chair. You must have got out of, out of your place with Christ because he sets you in a heavenly place. Hmm? How could the devil be on your back all week if you were sitting with Christ? Because when you're sitting with Christ, you're far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And all things that's put under your feet. So that word right there means when you're set with him, it means in the Greek, it means you have been enthroned. Now, let's, let's give these, de uh, these definitions because... What Christ did and reconciled us back to God, he defeated the devil, right? He stripped him of his, his power and of his authority, and he took it back and he took the keys, Revelation said, of death and the grave. And Christ has the keys. But he gave us the keys. Remember this? He, he said, I'll give you the keys to bind and to loose, and whatever you bound shall be bound, whatever you loose shall be loosed. So here we are seated with him in heavenly places, ruling and reigning, and we're far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and everything that's named, because that's who you are. Yeah, but let me tell you about Thursday. I don't want to hear about your Thursday. Let me tell you about what I'm talking about right now. See, we've we got to come to the higher place of who we really are, and we have to either believe that's who we are, and then let our soul understand who we are, Renew your mind to who you are, and then you'll begin to see it in your heart and in your imagination, and then you'll rule and reign from your spirit, and then your, your spirit will begin to rule and reign because you begin to renew your mind to think like your spirit, and then all your life has to change. Hmm? It's kind of like a democracy. You know, it's a vote. If, you're, if you can get your soul to agree with your spirit, your body has no choice but to come along. 
But if your body's ruling and reigning or your emotions are ruling and reigning, your spirit's just sitting there. It's just sitting there dormant. It's untapped. Now, Satan was dethroned, and that's what this means. He was removed from a position of power, or uh, dethroned means he's removed from a position of power, of authority, or dominance. So Satan had a position of authority because through Adam and Eve. They gave him that authority. Amen. Amen. And 2 Corinthians 4 said he is now, even at this present time, the God of this world. But he's not the God over your world. Hmm? Now you're in this world where he's the God of this world, but he's not the God of this world over you. Huh? Because you've been born again. You, you got translated out of his kingdom and into the kingdom of his dear son. So where does that put you? Where, where, what is your position now? Seated with Christ in heaven places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. So I can't talk trash if I believe that. I can't talk problems all the time if I believe that. I got to speak and agree with God. Don't, you know? I got to align my thoughts and my words to speak like God speaks. Because I'm sitting with him enthroned. And that's what it actually means. That means you're actually sitting with Christ in his throne. You're not somewhere in heaven on the back 40. You're sitting with Christ in the, in the throne, ruling and reigning with Christ. People say, well, I don't feel like I have the power, you know, right here on the earth. Well, it's just like a policeman. If he's going to stop a car, stop traffic, I mean, all he has to do, I mean, he's, he's, got his, he's got his uniform on, he's got his badge on, and if he wants to stop a car, what's he do? He raises his hand. Now, he may weigh 150 pounds or 350 pounds. But if he raises his hand, most people are going to stop. Well, let me ask you this. If someone's in a three or 4,000 pound car, can, can his hand or his body stop the car? No. Cannot do that. Why did they stop? Because he has authority. That bad says there's everything, all the resources, all the manpower, everything that has to do with the law, which I am called to enforce, swear to, took an oath to enforce, means you stop. Amen. Well, when, when you walk into a situation and you walk into a person's life, and <clears throat> unless they don't want it, amen, you have the power and authority to stop things in the name of Jesus. Why? Because we're far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion. Why? Because we're in Him. We're in Christ. We're not seeking Christ. We're in Christ. So in the old covenant, you'll see you people asking God to come by. There's a lot of songs, and, 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 I, and I'm not going to really, I don't, I'm not thinking one when I said it, but you have to be careful with a lot of songs that we sing because they're not really actually a new covenant. There might be beautiful songs and a beautiful melody, and there may be parts that are wrong, or just, you know, it's kind of like, Lord, let your glory fall. <clears throat> Lord, let your presence come. So are, are you saying we don't have it? See, <clears throat> there's, I, you have to understand who you are, right? You have to understand that the king of glory is inside of you. Amen. In other words, you have to learn how to bring, thung, bring these things up from your spirit and try to get something to fall down out of heaven. Are y'all with me or not? Amen. So you'll have to be a student to know who you are. Otherwise, you'll be asking God to do something all the time that he's already done. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Glory. Well, we're doing real good. Praise God. Look at uh, Isaiah 
Chapter 11, real quick. Isaiah chapter 11. If it helps you, that's on the page of 1098. But it's going to depend on what kind of Bible you got. Isaiah 11, verse 1, and teaches, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of the roots. Look at verse 2. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Verse 3, And shall make him of a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. So this is speaking about the rod that shall come forth from the stem of, the stem of Jesse and the branch grow out of the roots. He's talking about Jesus. You keep following that branch and that root, it ends up at Jesus. So what's it saying? Upon him will be the spirit of the Lord that will rest upon him. He has a spirit of wisdom and understanding. Well, that's kind of what Paul told us to pray, that we, that we would be illuminated. Right? Remember the, the, what we prayed in Ephesians chapter 1? Paul said, I cease not to give thanks for you, make mention of my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, glory may be given to you, the spirit of wisdom, revelation, knowledge, and the eyes you understand, be enlightened, know the hope of his calling, the hope of the glory, and, and then about the inheritance and the power, and such, such, and so on, and so on. So this is what he's saying here, that you would have a spirit of, that, that he would, that he can't, when he comes, he'll have the spirit of the Lord rest upon him. He'll have a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and of counsel and of might, and a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. There's seven things there. So by virtue of your union with him, these things are in you today. Did these things leave his life? No. So when you, when you were brought into Christ, these seven things that are in Christ, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might, and knowledge, and the fear of the Lord, they're all in you. Now, why do we teach? I love preaching. Preaching can exhort you. And we can all, hmm, and all that. I, I, I like that. We need preaching sometimes. But when you, there, there's times you, you, we, we simply need to be taught. You know, when you've taken classes in high school or higher math or like that or in college, you're, teacher or professor didn't, you know, didn't say, you know, he didn't do the swag and, and all that. No, they, they taught, they imparted to you. Jesus was a teacher. They called him rabbi. They called him teacher. But he could also preach. Amen. Well, we learned the ABCs by, by putting it to a song and singing it. You know, right? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know how the song goes. And you did the same thing with math. You might have used your fingers and your toes. Hopefully, we got beyond using our fingers and our toes. We learn some things by repetition just because we've done them over and over and over and over again. Well, you can get to the place to where you, have, you start at a place 
in your walk with God that you don't start with counting your fingers and toes. You start at the place where the eyes of my understanding have been enlightened. I know the hope to which I've been called. I know there's, there's, I, I, I know what my calling is in him. I know that, that, that I have an inheritance in him. I know that I have a power to us with who's in him according to the power that works in him. That same power works in me because it's in him. There's an inheritance. I'm his inheritance and he's my inheritance. Amen. Now I like that the God thought it made him rich when he got you, when he inherited you. Amen. Amen. But also, you have an inheritance for your life. Someone says, well, I don't really have someone to go lay me an inheritance. You'll be okay because you've already have an inheritance in Christ. He's already made you rich in him. Are you, are you here? You're already rich in Christ. You don't need someone. Someone says, well, you know, <clears throat> I got someone, but you know, I'm not going to get nothing until they die. Well, someone's already died. His name was Jesus. And he took all authority. He, and it, uh, was it James talks about another place that talks about the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Aren't you the righteous? So the wealth belongs to you. The wealth belongs to you. Remember, you're far above all this. So when you watch the news and they're telling you this and they're telling you that and this is changing, that's changing, this order's been given, that order's been given and, and you know, this, this whole thing's going to go the other way. I can tell you right now, it's not going the other way. It's, I'm telling you, it's, there's things going on, but God has a time and when, and when he has a stopwatch and when he goes like the click, it'll be all over. Huh? When God hits the timer, click, it'd be like the thing you just saw a while ago. Hey, your time's up. Your time's up. And when the time's up, it's all over. God says, that's it. You're through. Amen. Amen. Now, what do we do with him? Well, we're ruling and reigning. We're far above all this. So that's what the kingdom is. It's the rule and the reign of God. So these seven spirits of God that are in Jesus... These are each of these spirits are in your born again, recreated spirit. So you, you, you can't keep on saying, I just don't know what to do. Let's see. You got the spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might on and on and on. You can't say. People you say, man, I just can't imagine that. Well, you, you, need, you need to. That's one phrase you need to drop. Because God gave you a spirit of imagination. And when you're telling, when you're using a phrase like, I can't imagine that, you're shutting it off. There is a godly imagination. You use it all the time. You could tell someone from here how to get from here to the interstate or from here to your house. You could do it with your eyes closed because you, could, you, know, you, you, you know where you are and you know how to get to another place. You could tell someone, well, how do I get to so-and-so? Well, let's see, you go from here. And uh, there's a lady stopped by here the other day. She said, uh, two ladies, and I was outside. And she said, young man, I like that young man part. They were, they were older than me. She says, can you tell me where pedals from the past is? I said, I absolutely can. <laughs> I said, I absolutely can. Because I knew where it was at. And so they were from out of town. And I said, uh, you passed it, so just get back on the, right on the road here, go back to the right, tell her how far to go. 
And I said, did you pass an old restaurant? She said, Smokey something. I said, yeah, something. I said, turn across from it. And I said, I think that's County Road 29. I, I used to live on it. But anyway, turn on that road right there and you'll go less than a mile and it'll be on the left and you turn there. She said, well, that sure does help us. And I gave her some landmarks around the way. I didn't go look at them. I've already been by there so many times I could give her landmarks. How, and I, I could tell her where the pedals of the past was, the nurse, you know, which is a nursery, not for kids, but plants and, you know. So it, I could see these landmarks in my mind because I'm familiar with them. So in my imagination, I gave her directions. Can you imagine yourself more than a conqueror? Can you imagine yourself healed? Hmm? Can you imagine yourself whole? Can, can, can you see what that looks like? Can you see what it would look like to be far above all principality, power, might, and dominion? Instead of saying, would y'all just agree with me that God will do this and God will do that? That's okay, but that's nursery. That's kindergarten. Now come on up to a higher place. Come on up to the place where you're already seated and you'll, and you'll get a different view. I remember the first time I flew, many, 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 of course, many years ago, I was a little bit, I was excited and I was a little bit apprehensive, which is a better word than scared. What I did like was the taking off because I've always liked speed. And, I, and, and, you know, when you just take off, and I, I don't know how long, how long the runway is, but it's a good-sized plane. But you can feel just the, the turbo, the G-force of that plane, you know, getting to the place to lift. Now, I don't like turbulence. Anybody like turbulence? Because it, like it feels like it's going to break in pieces. Like, like, oh, God, I look for the wings. It's still on there. <laughs> I remember the first time that you ever flown that you started to come off the ground and you begin to look at the, as you're leaving the airport, and you're leaving out of a city, and all of a sudden these buildings and these homes and cars look like little bitty things. Little bitty things. Made me think of playing Monopoly, you know, and you're gonna buy a Mediterranean Avenue or Baltic or, or Park House or whatever, and these, 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 even these big homes look like them little homes used to put on the game board. And I thought, wow, in that little bitty, you know, looking from ten, even 10,000 feet maybe, I said, Look at those little cars. Look at them little bitty homes. I couldn't make out a tree unless you went by a grove of trees, then you know it's trees. Couldn't really make out people at, you know, five or 10,000 feet. You, you, you could just see, you know, like a, a home, you know, like a, um, homes and buildings. And, you could see, and if it's at night, you can see these trail of cars, the lights, you know, it's cars. I thought, how amazing it is that there's seven billion people on the planet, and this is at 10,000 10, feet, and everyone looks like ants. And God knows every one of your thoughts. He's heard every prayer that you've ever prayed. He said, I'll never leave you, never fail you, never forsake you. He said, I know, you, I know, I know your, your, your life before you was ever born. I know every hair on your head. I can I tell you the number of them. And I thought, wow. How could a God do that? I mean, these, I, I remember leaving Birmingham the first time, and I, I said, well, that's so-and-so building. It was got a little bit further. I couldn't tell you what, what anything was. Everything was so small compared to the elevation. When you come up to the place where I'm far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion, then these problems look overwhelming to you. 
They're like, I was worried about that. I spent that much time talking about that. Why? Because now you have a, you've been elevated to a higher place. The way that you see things, you no longer see them the way that you saw them. You don't see the enemies being able to attack and take and to destroy your life. You don't, you, you don't see that there's not a way out because you feel like you're trapped. Because see, sometimes life can be like a maze. Anyone ever been in a maze? And you're trying to find your way out? Some people don't go into it because it's, to them it's, like, it's claustrophobic. But if you can be above the maze and watch the people in there, you can think, hey, uh, buddy, you're four foot away from being out here. But they, but they turn and go down the hall the other way. Right? And especially if it has mirrors. Well, if you could be above the maze, you could navigate someone very easily, couldn't you? <clears throat> well, guess what? There is someone above. You say, God, yes, but also you. See, you're here, right now here, physically, because you have a physical body. But actually, you're already seated with him. And we have to understand because Paul told us in Philippians, he says, you're not even from here, earth. He said, you're from heaven. Paul said that you are, as a born again person, he said, you are a citizen from heaven that was sent to the earth. He said, earth is not even your home. You're just visiting here. So whether you live 50, 60, 70, 80 years, 100 years, you're still a citizen of heaven. Amen. So we need to get a, a brand new perspective of how things work. So you have those seven attributes, might and power. You've got the spirit of might. How many of the Lord's mighty? Let me read you this and we'll, we need to finish up this morning. In Psalms 24, 7 through 9, it says, Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be you lift up everlasting door. When you do that, the king of glory shall come in. Verse 8 says, well, who is this king of glory? That's a good question. The Lord, what? Woo, strong and mighty. Who is this king of glory? Oh, he's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord mighty in battle. So we don't think about him like that sometimes, that, that, that he's, we know he's strong and mighty, but, but we don't think about him being mighty in battle. <clears throat> he's mighty in battle everywhere call, people call upon him. He's mighty in battle right now in the United States. Amen. I'm sorry, I, mis, I misquoted that. He's mighty in battle in his America. The earth is the Lord's. So if you, if you own the earth, you know, all we are are stewards. We don't own anything. We just steward. We, we just steward that which, he, that which he allows us to steward while we're here. But we actually own nothing. People say, well, that ain't true. Because, you know, I got, 50, I got 10 acres, five acres. I got a home. I got two. I got three cars. Did, was you born with them? I've been to many funerals. I never seen. The, I never saw anyone take a house or car with them. Anything with them. So really, you came in with nothing, 
and you leave with no nothing, but while you're here, if you know who you are, the things that you pursue will start pursuing you if you understand the kingdom. He says, seek first the kingdom and not all these things, which is what I thought we was going to talk about this morning, but another, another way, which is in Matthew 6. We might get there next week, but it says, seek first the kingdom. He said, don't be like the Gentiles saying what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, how we're going to be clothed, how da, 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 da. He said, the answer to that is seeking first the kingdom. Seek kingdom, kingdom, king, kingdom thinking, kingdom thinking. He said, if you're thinking kingdom, things come to you. If you, he said, if, if you take your place in the kingdom and you pursue your place in the kingdom, the things that you've been seeking, you'll no longer pursue, they'll pursue you. Because you think kingdom. You think, what is my place in the kingdom? What's my assignment in the kingdom? See, living long is not something that, on the earth, is not something that makes you have a great testimony. You want to be real honest about it. Most people who did mighty things for God didn't live that long. They finished their assignment and got out. You can stay in, my opinion, you can stay in too long and get in trouble. Hezekiah lived so many years and the Lord said, get your house in order, it's time to go. But he didn't want to go. So he turned his face to the Lord and he asked for 15 more years. Well, you know, the Lord gave him 15 more years. You remember the story of Hezekiah? He wasn't evil. He was godly. But the Lord said, it's time for you to go. The Samuel, the, the prophet came in, told him that. He says, Hezekiah, the Lord says, time to go. Get your house in order. It's time, time to go. Well, he didn't want to go. So he asked the Lord for more time. The Lord said, I'll give you 15 more years. Now, here's something you, you can study out. We won't get into it. Because he lived 15 more years, there was, someone, there was a, there was a gene, genealogy of the most evil kings that ever came forth because he lived 15 more years. Where so-and-so begets so-and-so and so-and-so begets so-and-so out of Hezekiah's family. So the main thing is that we understand our assignment. Here's a quote you may enjoy. The value of life is not in duration, but in donation. You're not important or strong because how long you live. But how effective you're important to people in the kingdom because of how effective you are. See, you can be doing something and, and, and be wealthy and be well-known, but it could be all earthy. In other words, you could miss the mark by doing, using your time, energy, and talents, but you could be doing the wrong thing. Be better to do the right thing. You could take a test and the teacher just tell you, just answer the odd number of questions and you could make a hundred on it. But if she told you to answer the odd ones and you answered the even ones, your answers could be right, but you still fail because you didn't follow instructions. What is your instructions? What's your call? What's the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened to, to know 
who you are, what you're called to. If you know that, you'll know about your inheritance. If you know that, then you'll begin to understand the power of this to usward who believe according to the work of the mighty power. Why would God, why would God fund you to do something he didn't call you to do? Hmm? If he calls you to do something, he funds you to do it. But if he didn't call you to do it, he, 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 has, he, he has absolutely no responsibility to fund something that he's not called us to do. Amen. So let me, let me say this again in closing. The value of life is not in duration, but in donation. You're not important or strong because of how, you, how long you live. You're important. You are important to people in the kingdom because of how effective you are. We are to pursue people. That's what, that's what we're here for. The kingdom is people. It's easy to lose sight of that. We're to pursue people, and we are to invest in people. Invest in people. The church, my times, gets it different. They, they invest in property and real estate and buildings, and the Lord never told you to do that. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need a building. That doesn't mean we don't need property. But sometimes if you, your accountant gives you your end, their end-of-year results, and you find out, because they said this went to, you know, uh, take the buildings, and this went to utilities, and this went to da-da-da. I mean, there's, it goes everywhere, and outreach and everything. Well, if, 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 if 60, 50, 60 percent of your total budget went to take care of a building, then you're probably off course. Hmm? The best thing you can do is invest in people. Because you, you're not going to take buildings with you. You're not going to take homes with you. You're not going to take automobiles with you. The only thing that you can take from this planet is people. So we are in the people business because we're in the kingdom business. So don't think anything wrong with it. If someone lives 50, 60 years, 65 years, 50 years, and if they've fulfilled their assignment, they, they're ready to leave, the Lord says, well, your assignment's through. You can come on home if you want to. Well, I just don't understand why they didn't live so much longer. See, death is not supposed to be a mystery. Death for a Christian is a promotion. Promotion. You know, Paul always knew it. He said, it'd be far better to be with him than be with y'all. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't trying to be rude, but he said, it'd be far better to be in heaven. How many of y'all believe it would be far better to be in heaven today than, than be where you're sitting right now? You, you won't hurt my feelings. Go, go ahead. I mean, I mean, it'd be far better for me if I went today and y'all figure out something to do. But Paul said, for right now, it's better for y'all if I stay. But there, kind, there, there came a time in his life where he said, he said, I run my race and I finish my course and there's waiting for me a crown of righteousness and I'm ready to go and excited about it. Now, he knew they were going to kill him, but he didn't care about that. Because he knew that if we, to be absent from this body is to be present. No one, no one who's departed is lost. Everybody's somewhere. They're either here or they're in hell or they're in heaven. Nobody's lost. Hmm? That's thinking like heaven. Amen. 
I mean, if you go to heaven, you get to meet Jesus. And he, Jesus said, well, come on, let's spend some time together. He said, I really would like to go back and shoot some pool. I, I meet the guys on Tuesday. And he goes, like, you're, you're not going to care about pool. They got pool in heaven. Amen. And when you find out what, you, what they have to eat there, believe me, you're not going to run, run back over here to Burger King or, or Subway or whatever. You'll miss nothing or nobody. That, that's, hard. that's hard for people to hear. I think it was Brother Wynn when he came here. He was talking about when his wife Ann died after seven years of cancer. And he said he was just missing her. It's in his book, his first book. He said, I was just missing her so bad. And he said, I was just grieving. And the Lord, for a couple of months, he, he, he had, you know, he had comforted him. But after about two months, he was, he was still mourning and couldn't do anything in life and just sitting around. And he said, the Lord didn't appear to me in a vision, but I knew he was in the room. He says, what's the matter? And he said, well, I'm missing my wife. And then this time he says, her name was Ann. He says, uh, why are you missing her? And he says, why am I missing her? He says, she was my wife for this year, the, the, the mother of my children, my, my soulmate, if you want to call it that. I mean, the one I was going to grow old with and, and all that. He says, I miss her. He says, well, listen, she don't miss you. And he says, what? He says, how could she miss you when she's with me? I remember my, my mother said before she left, she said, this is wrong theology. She says, on this side before I leave, and I think about leaving, she said, it makes me feel like, you know, I'm going to miss y'all. She said, but I says, but go and mom, tell the truth. She says, I, I don't think I, I can in heaven. I said, you're, you're not going to miss any of us in heaven. We might miss you here, or we will miss you here, but, but you can't miss us in heaven. In heaven, on the other side, they're not handing out Kleenexes. <laughs> they don't go into a, to counseling, you know, to see a psychologist for, for the first week or two because they went into heaven and they're missing so-and-so. No, it's joy and speakable, full of glory. Yeah. Amen. And they're up there telling you, run your race. Because why? Because they can see us down here in life and all the stuff going on to stop us and think, oh, they're in that maze. <laughs> Honey, go that way. No, 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 now you're going around again. You're going around again. Go that way, and, and, and you'll run your course. And there's your inheritance, and there's the power for us, and there's everything that you need. How do we get there? Close it by saying this, by taking your place in Christ. When you sit in your assigned seat, you have authority. When you elect someone to be the mayor or councilman or house representative or president or whoever it is, they have a, you ever heard of the, the House of the Seat of Representatives? They have a seat, the Congress and the Senate. They're supposed to represent the, the citizens of, of that state. Well, when we take our place in Christ, we are to rule and reign because we are seated with him. So when the enemy comes, you just tell him, I, I don't know what you think you're doing because you know where I sit. And you know you have no authority over here. So you're really like wasting everybody's time. Hmm. Now you know I have the power to stop you and bind you in the name of Jesus, so I do. Now go harass somebody who don't know, who, don't know who they are. Does that not mean we'll have, not have any problems in life? No, Jesus said that we would. But be a good cheer, we'll overcome them. Some said, well, I knew someone who, didn't, you know, who tried to overcome, but they didn't, and they're in heaven. 
And you want, me, you want me to be sad about that? I mean, listen to your own words. They're in heaven. In heaven. Now, it'd be sad if you tell me they're in hell. But in heaven, I'm rejoicing. Y'all, are y'all rejoicing? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So we've got a quick work to do. Yes. And we're going to do our quick work. And then he's going to come or we're going to go. And it's all good. We're moving on up. <laughs> I said in the kingdom of God, we're moving on up. Amen. We're going to the high places of him. Amen. 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 So take your authority with you. And remember where you sit. Remember that you're seated enthroned with him. Remember, just remember, I'm ruling and reigning with him. And how do you do that? You understand that. And then you speak. You speak the word. Don't talk your problem. Talk above your problem. Talk to the problem. Jesus says, speak to the mountain. So don't stay with the problem. Speak to it from, from your seated place. Go to the other side. Romans 4 would call that calling things that be not as if they were. That's what, that's what God taught um, Abraham to do. How am I going to have a son? How are we going to have a son when I'm 100 years old and she's 90 years old? You're going to do it by agreeing with me and calling things that be not as though they were. Now, do you know anyone on the earth that's 90 who's pregnant? Would it matter what kind of pills you took? Fertility pills if you was 90? No. So what did they do? They had to come out of the natural thinking and agree with God and say, okay, we're going to have a son, and, we are, and God already gave us his name. And Sarah agreed with God. And Abraham agreed with God, and then they become fully persuaded. Maybe the problem is we haven't become fully persuaded yet. And when we're not fully persuaded, we'll talk both sides of it. When the enemy comes at you full of strength and you're not persuaded, you'll say, oh, this, that, the other, and it tries to rule and reign you. And I'm just going to ask you, I'm saying it over and over again, when those emotions come, and when that comes, I'm asking you, where are you seated from when you speak to him? Are you going to sit with him on earth? <laughs> or are you going to go to the high place and rule and reign from that place? When you know that, and he knows you know that, he'll be through with you. Amen? God is good all the time. So we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Go and rule and reign. And remember, we're investing in people. So speak the word of God. Share the love of God with people everywhere that you go. It's a great day to be in the kingdom. God bless you. Supernatural, extraordinary
in supernatural.